0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Episode 7 of Dad College. My name is Cam Brennan, and I'm joined across this finely crafted wood table. It's oak. Mm, by that man <laughs> with the sultry radio voice, Mr. David Hogue. What's going
1: on? Uh, long time no hear. Well, them?
0: They, I guess you know, I haven't seen you in a while. I know. It's been very sad. There's been a severe lack of, of Dave in my life. <laughs> yes. we ju- Ships in the night, man.
1: Just passing. Mm.
0: So, have you heard that song by Matt Carney? I'm going to say no. now. Mm. Like ships in the night You keep passing
2: me by We're just wasting time
0: If I didn't drop it into the track right there, it's because I got lazy while I was editing. It's a good tune, though. Oh, okay. It's got a sweet beat, Dave. Anyways, um, as you can tell by that intro, it has been a while. Um, You know, just life. Yes, Travels. Life happens. End of summer. Things like that. Me working all the time at night. It's getting kind of old. Yes. But hey, someone's got to grind those espresso beans and <laughs> make those lattes. So anyways, uh, we have some follow-up, Dave, from two episodes ago, episode five, when we talked about fostering and adoption. Awesome. And the follow-up comes from none other than Mr. Uh, Justin Crow, friend of the show, friend in real life as well, but I feel like he should get mentioned doubly as a friend of the show <laughs> and in real life and uh i've had conversations with him um off the air either you know it, usually at his place just about this sort of stuff and kind of what they're thinking and he's got some some thoughts that he wanted to share with uh, us and with you uh, the listeners so um we spoke a bit about you know some of the fears that people can have going into as the foster parents, um, things they may be afraid of or fearful of, um, that the kid gets taken away from you because you don't do a good enough job or the circumstances change in that child's life, um, where they just get shipped around or the parents get, you know, get it back together enough that the, the, um, is it the government that decides or is it a, I feel so stupid. The child's, Child services, yeah, family they, and child. Mm-hmm, they determine that it's the parents or parents have met the required, you know, level to allow them to have the children again. Yes.
1: That happens, right? Like kids that were put into foster care go, can, back, home. Can go back home. That's ideal. that's ideal. Ideal, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. that's actually what they want to have happen is right. for them to go back home. Um. So. He said that, you know,
0: some fears that people might have are the kid is taken away, that uh, rules get broken, um, and that, you know, there could be manipulation involved, you know, either uh, from the child to the foster parents from the foster parents to the child, the whole system in general. Um, But he says it's incredibly scary. However, what does it say about my faith in God if I let those fears keep me from acting on something that he feels he needs to act on. God doesn't call me to be comfortable or for me to provide an environment that's comfortable for my family. I'm personally not to this point yet, but pray that I'm able to uh, hand my fears over to God and trust him. Uh, and this is on the various fears topics. I've also heard people challenged to have the perspective of, what if it was your children in the foster system? How would you respond or want others to respond? Which I think is an interesting question. You know, because I think it's really easy to project as, you know, someone who's so stable and you know, all the self-puffing uh, up we do of ourselves to think that we haven't got, we've got it going on. But, like, if, it, if, if I ever got to a point in my life where I could not care for my child, I would like to think that I would still care enough for them to want someone else to provide the love and safety that I can't provide for them for whatever reason. But if I've gone down that road of providing a life that is not safe and not um, beneficial to that child to the point that the authorities step in and remove my child, perhaps I've long ago not really cared about them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, if I transition from, you know, what I believe I am now, which is a loving and caring father, to someone who doesn't give a crap so much. And I'm not saying this is everyone. Some people, there are other circumstances, you know, mental health issues that are not their decision. It's just, you know, something happens. Maybe it's PTSD and they can't recover from it or, you know, an accident or some sort of other trauma that causes the change in the parent's life. Um. And I'm really rambling here, so let me try and bring it back in. But if it was your child that was put into foster care, you would want the people caring for them, I'm assuming, to love and care for them genuinely, right?
3: Yeah. Like, that's the hope. That would be the hope.
0: Um, But, I mean, what a position to be in. Like, I can't even think if someone, if they had to come to my house and take my daughter away from me because I couldn't do my
3: job as a parent. Like,
0: that's, that's gotta be one of the more brutal things to, you know, happen. Mm -hmm. Especially, you know, if it is something that isn't your choice per se. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, you don't want to generalize about why kids wind up in foster care, because there's a million different stories and a million different reasons um but i think that's one of the things that makes it so challenging is that you know each kid comes from a different circumstance and has a different story and has different trauma and has different you know hopes and likes and it's not a system in the sense that okay here's kid a follow path b and you'll get a good
3: result you know it's
0: it's just people trying to help people but there's trauma and baggage and scars and yeah there's a lot to be afraid of and so like I get where Justin's coming from here um
1: I don't know what do you think I think I think the fear is valid and I I also would say I don't think you should do it just because you're like well I'm afraid and I shouldn't be afraid so I need to trust God more and I need to do it. Um, I think there definitely needs to be um, an intentionality of, is this, does this fit with who we are? Do we have the ability to do that? Um, And the other thing is, is that, you know, much of foster care is not just a single child. Usually there's multiple kids. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, that is the other piece. And yeah, you are dealing with kids that, um, are on the second half of their growing up their years of, you know, they're, they're closer to being adults, partly because of life stage, but also partly because of what they've experienced. And so, um, yeah, behavioral issues are very real. And, um, you know, as an officer, I've, I've responded to calls where, I mean, a foster kid is threatening to kill his family and, Probably could do it very easy because he's a rather large kid now, you know, it's, uh, he's only 15 or 16, but you know, well over six foot and well over 200 pounds and fairly muscular. But so I guess my my thing is, is I would never tell somebody that, you know, if you have fears or concerns about this, that you just should ignore those fears. Uh, I think life stage is a big part of that. Um, you know, if you having a small daughter at home, I, you know, I just don't think it's probably wise to be bringing in a, a child that maybe have behavioral issues where they take it out on the, on the infant. Now, if you feel like that's what God is calling you to, and you're pretty, pretty clear in that, then that's a different, you know. Uh, but but I, I guess I'm just a, uh, yes, we need to trust God, but I also think there's an element of we don't need to just be naive and have blinders on when it comes to those things. And so um, I don't know if Melissa and I will ever be foster parents or not, but I would say we're more likely to do it now that our, you know, Olivia will be out of high school in two years. And so I think we're probably more likely to do it once Olivia is out of the house than we would be now or when the girls were younger. Um, There is, there's a lot of trauma that goes, um, with how foster kids end up uh, where they are. And yeah, some of it is uh, physical abuse. Uh, Some of it is uh, emotional. Some of it is um, neglect. And those aren't things that are easily undone. And so it really is not just a matter of, I'm going to bring this kid into my house and I'm going to love them and they're going to be fine. Kind of like what you're saying. There's not like this formula it can be pretty tough and um you know we got Wilby when he was I don't even know how old Wilby was when we got him five gonna be six. And there was a lot of stuff that even with you know adopting Wilby and bringing him into different know, we may still be dealing with it. I don't know, you know but there were certain things that when he got here I really had to um be strict about with him because he would try to manipulate and get his way through, like, tears and screaming, and it would, it, I, I'm guessing my other, I, I, it'd be interesting to talk to Caroline and Olivia about that, because I think they're somewhat even scarred by that a little bit, because they'd never, ever seen their dad, they'd never seen me be mean, and I was mean, you know, like, truly was mean to Wilby, because I was like, we can't have this behavior, and so... And he's in a much different place now, so. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Uh, Justin
0: goes on to say, uh, pretty much in agreement, that um, he says, not everyone is called to have kids in the home. I absolutely agree, um, but believe everyone can support and help. You know, stuff that we talked about in the podcast, uh, that episode. Also, people can help support foster parents themselves, meals during busy weeks, respite care, etc. Um, and he said some things that Dave said I couldn't have said it better. I need to step up on the church as a whole needs to do more. Um and Then he makes this comment before he uh he hands his email. It says fostering and adoption seems like it's something typically driven by women. Believe that I, men, fathers, need to take an active role to something I feel challenged to do as how i can lead and encourage other men and fathers to take an active role in helping. So.
1: Yeah, and i, I you know, I, that would probably be my i would agree with that. I bet foster care and adoption would be more common if men would step up and say i'm willing to do that and you know, uh maybe an element of, you know, if you are in a group with other men of just saying anybody feeling called to this and then helping that person or people walk through that together in your small group or whatever, whatever your community is uh, where you meet with other men because we just don't talk about this kind of stuff and as Christians I think we should and I guess I, you know, I still hold to the church, the body as a whole needs to be doing more for orphans, uh, for kids in foster care uh, but that does not mean everybody is called to have kids, to take those kids into their home um, but I'm guessing there's probably more of us called to do it than there are doing it. Or I don't know.
0: Probably.
1: Yeah. I, I just think we could step up more easier said than done.
0: Oh, like, like most things. All right. So, uh, that's it for follow-up. Justin, thank you so much for sending your stuff in. Yes, thank you. Um, I know it's been a long time since you sent it in, but it's also been over a month since we recorded this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, thanks for sending it in, and uh, appreciate um, both your, uh, your follow-up and uh, that you listen. It's great. Uh, if anyone else out there wants to um, follow up about, any of the stuff we talked about on any of our episodes like all episodes are fair game it doesn't have to be just the last one um you can email us at hello at supermegacorp.net. you can get dave on the twitters at david j hoag very professional and you can get me at cam brennan and also i would like to say a quick thank you i haven't done this in a while kind of feel terrible about it a quick thank you to our Patreon supporters, Katie, Rachel, and Wilby. Yes. You guys very generous and kind and lovely and handsome and pretty and smart and wise <laughs> and all-around swell people. Um, if you don't know what Patreon is or you want to find out what our Patreon um, page is about, you can go to patreon.com slash super megacorp and you'll see... A really bad video that Dave and I made we <laughs> might still, need to update that. that we still haven't remade. You'll see uh what we're trying to accomplish with the Patreon page, which is make this podcast as well as our other shows and our website um sustainable, and it's also about providing you guys with cool rewards so. There you go. There'll be links in the show notes to Dave's Twitter, my Twitter, the email, and the Patreon page. Thanks again to Justin, Katie, Wilby, and Rachel. And now, David. Yes. Now it is time. For the actual episode? No, just for the main topic. <laughs> that was all part of the actual Talk. episode. What did to demean everything we just said. <laughs> no, for our main topic, sir. <laughs> and what will we be discussing in our main topic?
1: Uh, You know kind of the how do you navigate technology uh with your kids social media um things like smartphones video games TVs the different apps that exist out there
3: and
1: I don't know what else
0: well I that for me that's like 8 episodes oh okay you, you, you. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're barking up the right tree here with me. Um, not necessarily because I have decided how I'm going to parent my children around those things, but because technology and social media and, you know, um, apps and the Internet is something that I'm very, very, very interested in and active on. And, you know, things that I've built and things that I use to, you know, build my business. It's all built on that stuff, so while I don't have expertise in how to parent a kid through that, I feel like I will be in a good position when the time comes because of how much I know about how it all works. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, by the time Kennedy's 13, Facebook <laughs> might be gone, Snapchat probably will be gone, Twitter will definitely be gone, Instagram might be gone, like who knows what's going to be around you know uh all the vr and ar and all that sort of stuff but i don't know i'm excited i've dropped a bunch of buzzwords already so <laughs> what do you want to start with
1: well i think obviously technology is is a part of our lives and it's something that is going to be a part of our kids lives and it's you know you're, you're going to have to help your kids navigate, uh, how they use technology. Uh, you know, we, we always joke about kids are probably more on top of things than their, their parents are. And I know that's certainly true in some aspects, uh, for me. Um, so yeah, I think social media creates a whole bunch of issues, um, for kids, uh, especially teenage girls. Um, I think you know there are issues of when and where can kids watch TV. When and where can kids uh, use uh, their Xbox or their video gaming system? And that you know everything has become so complex right now that so many of these devices that you hook up to your TV, and if you have Wi-Fi connected to that device, you're not just getting games. You're getting a whole lot of other things that can be streamed into your house, and so. Uh, you know, I I think the big issue is, is being proactive with your kids, uh, giving them guidelines, giving them rules, um, helping them to know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And just assume that your kid is going to lie to you and assume that your kid is going to pull one over on you and, uh, just don't be so naive that your kids are like the perfect little angel that 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 you think they are. So
0: now my kid's not. She pooped in the bathtub the other night. <laughs>
1: All right, Kennedy.
0: Yeah, gross. Um, so yeah, I I I definitely uh, agree. I think, and I think this it doesn't go without saying, but I think a lot of people have already thought it. It's like you can't expect your kids to um, expect respect or obey the rules and guidelines you set up if you haven't made that a part of your relationship in every other area yeah. right oh absolutely like, you can't not care about you know how they present themselves in public or how they treat people I should say you can't not care about how they are in school you can't not care about how they uh you know dress you know modestly or immodestly you can't you know all of those things, how they, how they, uh, you know, treat people emotionally, how, you know, their peers, their elders, that, how they treat you. And then all of a sudden come in be like, you can't have Snapchat mm-hmm. and you can't do this. And I'm going to monitor all, and like there has to be consistency. And so when that does happen, the child already has expectation of, okay, mom and dad are probably going to have some rules and guidelines for this, but, and I probably might not like them. Especially, you know, if I'm a teenager and I want more freedom than, you know, they they deem uh, proper. But if that president has been set and those conversations have been had for years, it won't come as a surprise to them. They still might not like it. They may still think, oh, you're the worst. Oh, and yeah. all my friends get, <laughs> you know, and and... You know, I'm, I'm not looking forward to those conversations. But I'll be like, yeah, you know what? Right now you think I'm the worst. And that may last for a while. <laughs> and you may never forgive me for not letting you have whatever, you know, the hot, you know, uh, sexting app is when, you know, my kid is that age. But, like, but honestly, quick aside, why would you ever send a picture of your junk to someone? I don't get that.
1: Because for them, it's normal. That's weird. Yeah, trust me, that, yeah, I, I, yes, the sending naked pictures is fairly normal. I would say that that our our officers that are in the school system deal with that more than just about anything else.
0: I don't get it. Penises are ugly. I'm just going to say it.
1: Yeah. And it goes both ways. It's not just guys sending the pictures. Oh, I know, but it's just like, oh, I bet if I,
0: anyways, totally on a weird tangent here. I just don't understand it.
1: When you don't, or guys don't understand girls if they, if they think that's what they want to see. <laughs> exactly. That's my point is like,
0: in what world is you sending a dick pic going to end well for you? <laughs> like, how do you think that's the way? Anyways, it just, but it doesn't end add well. it to the list. It doesn't of, yeah, end well. Add it to the list of things that I, you know, I want to pick the brain of teenagers. Sometimes i be mean, like, What? well, not even teenagers, grown men, politicians, Like
1: (laughs) police officers. Yeah. Bastards,
0: you know, it's anyways, where was I going with this? Oh yes. Whatever, you know, the, the disappearing message app is, you know, when my kid is a teenager, but like I can't expect them to back to my main point now that I've totally gone off tangent. Sorry about that. You can't expect them to honor or even consider your rules and regulations in one area. If that is not a regular, thing that you have built into your family Mm -hmm. um and like like i said a lot of people probably already thought that so i'm not you know reinventing the wheel here but i feel like it's a good place to start with this conversation to be like this while special and evolving very very rapidly and so there might be nuance that's different needs to be you need to approach this similarly to how you approach how they interact with the opposite sex, how they interact with authority figures, how they interact with you, um, how they treat each other if you have multiple children, how they, um, you know, uh, use their money, how they use their spare time, how they serve. Like if you if you are building those those guidelines in other areas of their life, it's going to make sense that you would want to do it here as well. Again, even if they don't... Because they're probably not going to like most of the guidelines because, I mean, I'm an adult and I don't like rules and well, guidelines, yeah. but, you know, sometimes they're they're there to protect you from yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, I, you know, I, I kind of sum that up in that be a parent. You don't need to be your kid's friend. You know, your kids have friends. They don't need to like you. I, I, I mean, that's... I feel like so many issues that I have seen where kids have challenged their parents and their authority, it's because the parents are too worried about their kids liking them. And so they allow them to do things they shouldn't allow them to do. They give them things they shouldn't give. They let, they let the kids walk all over them. And so I would say parent your kid and discipline should be an early, an early um, behavior that they see you Uh, modeling for them and that there are consequences for when they do things wrong from a very early age. It doesn't mean you have to be a tyrant. I mean, you really don't. And you did
0: not eat your broccoli before (laughs) your
1: macaroni and cheese. You are grounded for life. Yes. And every kid is different. That's the other thing too. You know, your kids better than other people. And so, uh, you know, my oldest daughter, I just had to look at her sideways and she was like, I'm sorry. And then number two, not so much. <laughs> so, In fact, she flipped me off earlier tonight as she walked through the I wasn't <laughs> going to say it, but that's what I was laughing
0: about. Uh, that was really funny. I got a good so, kick out of that.
1: But I also know that that from her is not a... She is playing with dad versus being disrespectful for, to dad. Mm-hmm. She knows that that would not be tolerated if it was meant... Int-
0: yeah, if there was malice into, intended. Uh, All right, so how do you want to dive into this specifically? Like, I feel like we've laid a pretty good uh, foundation, at least for where we're coming from. And, you know, so I guess let me just say this. Like, I, you know, my daughter's almost 10 months old, so not really an issue for me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am becoming more wary of how I'm using
1: technology around her yeah that's that's a great example do you go out to dinner and does every adult have their face well not even that it's like when we're at
0: home and i'm feeding her do i also have instagram open sure
1: well yeah exactly
0: when i could be interacting with my child and teaching her sign language you know and trying to help her communicate i want more i'm done you know clapping when she does something good Instead of being like, oh, how many likes did that photo get? <laughs> you know, or do I have any, uh, you know, uh, Facebook comments on something that I posted? It's like, okay, that's messed up. So, like, I think we need to approach technology from both ways. How do we as parents uh, engage with our children about it? Talk with them about it. Um, enforce rules and regulations, and, and navigate that. But then also, how do we as parents use technology? And how does that either enhance or hinder our relationship with our children? You know, because like there can be ways that we can teach our children things through technology and social and that sort of stuff. But also, I don't need to be on my phone checking Twitter and Instagram while I'm feeding my kid or while she's in the bath. Like that's prime time for me to be 100% engaged with her.
1: Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I'll even go back, I guess, kind of even, I think we've talked about this, of just being a good husband. And um, I I, I felt pretty, and I'm not saying we don't do this, but you should be looking at a screen when you're in bed with your spouse. So I, that would be one of the first things I would kind of point to is just, you know, when you and your spouse are going to bed at night, how much time is spent on a screen between the two of you? Because to me, that's something you can pretty quickly go, oh my gosh, <laughs> we're spending a lot of time on a screen while we're both.
0: Well, uh, we don't go to bed at the same time. So well, <laughs> that's not a problem for yeah, us. Yeah. And, that,
1: and that, may be the, that may be the case. But those, those intimate moments where you're with your spouse. Yeah. 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 Are, you, are you looking at a screen? And I mean, next time you're at a restaurant, look around at how many people are sitting at a table and they're all staring at a screen. Um, you know, going to bed at night, just how often are you looking at that? Uh, because I think that is, you know, you're a couple and you're married generally before you're raising a kid and a mom or a dad. And so I think that's kind of your first, um, I can't think of the measuring stick of that I'm thinking for, but, and then, yeah. And then I think it goes from there of just, um, Start taking an inventory of how much time you spend in front of a screen, because I think everybody would be surprised at how much that really is.
0: Yeah, you can do that on your iPhone. Go to your battery uh-huh. and it tells you the percentage. But then you can hear it show a clock and it will say, you know, YouTube, two point five hours on screen. Oh, really? Five minutes background. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's it's not going to. It'll be like you know, home screen. Uh, you know, forty minutes. Twitter, thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's just how much time that app has eaten out of your battery life. And there are other time tracking apps, but again, you have got to look at your screen to find them. You know, <laughs> um, I heard a stat the other day that said the average person checks their phone eighty-five times a day.
1: I'm sure that's true.
0: And I was like, that seems kind of low. Which is, oh yeah, that was my first reaction. Yeah. Um and I'm like, "Oh, shoot, that must mean I'm the one that was bringing that average up." <laughs> you know, cuz I mean, I check it for the time three times even though I have a watch on. Sometimes, you know, I've got Kennedy in that hand, so it's just easier, but um All right. So let's let's get into the the parent-child technology relationship. Yeah. Um
3: Do you have
0: like filters set up on your network that that shut down certain websites and keywords or like, like what's your approach to it?
1: Because like you don't have teenage boys. No. And that is even another issue because, and I think we've talked about this before, you know, if I wanted to see a naked lady when I was 15, I had to work at it to Real some hard. degree and you show know.
0: your face somewhere.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh And now it's, you know if you've allowed your 15-year-old to have a smartphone it's at his fingertips and so um i so um no we did not set passwords or we we basically let all of our stuff be um all access type of thing mm-hmm. and i can't say that i would recommend that i think you as a parent know what your kids are uh, going to do but i'm i'm a believer in that if you rely on that kind of technology kids are smart enough to defeat it they know how to work around that to where you log in to what you expect to see and okay it's it's all you know rated g and it's all what you expect your kids to see and what they have done is they've created and completely different login name and or you know, have set up because they probably know it better than you do. I mean, just the reality is, is the way that our kids have been raised, they know it better than we do because it's fairly intuitive to them or I don't think it is for us. So we did not set passwords. Um, um, we, and again, our oldest is 21. So she's pretty much allowed to do whatever she wants to do short of use up all the data. That's, that's, that's kind of her.
0: <laughs> well, she's on a college campus now. There's Wi-Fi everywhere. Yeah, Uh
1: that's But we, we're we not big on letting kids use devices in their bedroom. Okay. And so... So that's uh, a sort of filter that you set that up. That was a filter. Uh, TV watching basically happened in a public space. Mm-hmm. Um. So
0: do they not take their phones into their rooms at night? Uh,
1: uh, that's where I'm saying we're we're kind of on the back side of that. So Olivia is almost 17 uh-huh. and she has allowed, she is allowed to do that. Okay. Um, but you know, there was, um, a time when they were both younger and, um, that, you know, Hey, nine 30 at night phones come up to mom and dad
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, you know, for Caroline, that was texting boys. That yeah. was her thing. She was texting boys and good boys, boys that we liked, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, but there wasn't any need. And you know, yeah. I, I literally remember stretching out the phone cord on our telephone out the front door and closing the front door to our house so I could stand outside and talk on the phone without my parents hearing. Mm-hmm. So you've got to allow your kids to have a little bit of privacy. Um, but being involved with them and checking their devices and looking at things. You know, if, if, your, if your son has a smartphone, he's 15, and every time you look at his web browser, there's no history. That's a clue. Red flag. Yeah, there should be history, um, and and even as I say that, I clear mine fairly re- fairly frequently. But um, as a parent, you have the permission to tell your fifteen year old you're not going to clear the history. I want to see your history. I want to see your history for a week at a time. Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, and obviously, you know, even on the iPhone, I think you can delete like the la- like like your most recent, like what you were just looking at or something like that. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I think it has different. Like, uh, subsets of your history.
1: Yeah. So, so you can even, so as I'm looking at my phone here real quick and this is probably don't even need to go this far into it, but, um, I think I hit clear. I think you can clear like the last hour you can clear mm-hmm. last
0: seven days, last right. 24 hours. Yeah. But so nice. pay
1: attention to that. If your son has been on the phone for the last three hours and the last hour is gone, why is that gone? And talk to him about the dangers of pornography. It is perfectly normal for boys to want to see naked girls. I think to some degrees it's perfectly normal for for girls to want to see naked boys, maybe even, you know, same sex stuff. Because they're curious and they're trying to figure out how stuff works and what is it supposed to look like? What is it supposed to do? And that's the easy way to figure that out. So I don't think you should ever make it like dirty or ever make it like shameful, but you need to help them navigate it and just say it's not healthy to be looking at people having sex every day, or it's not healthy to be looking at boobs every day, whatever it is for the stage where your kid is, because just telling them not to do it, what do they want to do?
0: Yeah. Hit the big red button. Yeah. Yeah. That was my dad. Don't do it. Thanks.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the best things my mom ever told me was don't ever think you're above making that mistake. Now, for me, she was talking about things like drinking and driving and then, you know, killing somebody or something like mm-hmm. that. But she goes, don't ever think you're above doing that. You are f- fully capable of any of the, those worst things that you see people doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was kind of like, oh, I really thought about it that way, you know? Yeah. And it, and it helped me kind of navigate life of like, yeah, I probably could do those things. So. Yeah, I think.
3: For me.
0: Like, I want to be proactive in it, and it's it's obviously easy for me to say this, because my daughter's 10 months old, almost, to be, the, I'm gonna be the proactive parent that, you know, doesn't shy away from the porn topic, or the premarital sex topic, or some of the other nasty crap you can find on the internet. The hate speech, and, you know, hate, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not performances, but like, rallies, and the... The inability to have a conversation, a civil conversation with someone you disagree with on something fundamental like religion or politics.
1: Yeah, we've lost, completely lost the ability to disagree.
0: I asked, I asked, uh, so I work at a coffee shop and one of the benefits is that I work with high schoolers. So free, free research (laughs) and I pick their brains all the time because it's fascinating to me to hear what a 16, 17 or 18 year old thinks about different things Mm -hmm. and they all know me. And so it's not like some creepy 30 year old dude is asking them (laughs) questions. It's like, Oh, it's just cam. He's like, he's fine. We like him. He's goofy. You know, like I have that in with them because I work with them and they know me well enough to know that if I ask them questions, they know that it's genuine and I'm not being, you know, creepy. Yeah. I'm not just a strange guy. It's like, Oh, he's, he's the coffee house clown, you know? which is true. Um, <laughs> and so the other day I was working with, uh, she's a senior and I just asked her point blank after we were talking about some other stuff. I was like, how many kids in your high school do you think could have a civil discussion with someone? I was like, not even friendly, just civil discussion with someone uh, that they fundamentally disagreed with on the existence of God or their politics. And she laughed and she said, Not a single one. Like, instantaneous response. I was just like, Oh no. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, like optimistically, like <laughs> 65, 35, 70, 30. So she just, none of them. It's like, Oh,
3: yeah, that's that's really sad. You know?
0: And the internet is something that can both counteract that or encourage it depending on what corners you go to. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the things that I'm thinking about now is monitoring that and trying to help my children understand that just because this group of people on the internet who aren't your real friends necessarily, they may be, but they yes, may not be. Exactly. Agrees with you and tells you that the opposition is wrong and this, that, and the other thing does not mean, one, that you are correct, two, that they're correct, or three, that you have to treat the person you disagree with like a piece of garbage, right? right. You know, and so for me, what what my focus I, right now is, is trying to figure out how do I let my child enjoy the benefits of technology, Um The social aspects of the internet, the knowledge base of the internet, um, the skills that they can learn, the skills that they can share, um, how do I balance that with the part of the internet that wants to make my kid a zealot for something that you don't need to be zealous about, Mm
1: -hmm. you know? Well, and I think it goes back to your original premise of just being involved with your kids and being consistent. It's it's not just... When it's convenient or when you don't want them, uh, to see certain things, it's being an active participant in your kids' lives and, and, and even asking them, you know, so what's, what's the new thing on, you know, what's the new app? Why Mm -hmm. is it the new app? What is it that you can do? And, um, because it is, it's it's ever evolving, and even what's popular in one community is not, totally different. Yeah. it's not popular in another community. Uh, I think there was a, a an app called Yik Yak that was never really mm. an issue here in Gardner, at least not that I'm aware of. But it was certainly an issue like in Lawrence and other places. Mm-hmm. And I think partly because Gardner just wasn't big enough for it to really have.
0: Yeah. Well, and um, we've got Snapchat, so they don't need Yik Yak. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, and so, um. Yeah, and, uh, you know, um, take some time and really look at what is on Netflix. Uh, I love Netflix. There's a lot of shows that I enjoy in there. But, you know, there's things like 13 Reasons Why that deals with teen suicide. That, um, you know, I'm a big believer in talking about it. You don't sweep it under the rug. You don't pretend like it, it doesn't exist. But if your kid chooses to watch 13 Reasons Why... Find out why they're watching that. Find out how it makes them feel. Have a conversation with your kid. And you know what? When your kid says, I don't know. I don't know. I guess. Okay, whatever. That is your job to continue to pry at your kid and get answers from them. And again, I think like you said, you establish that pretty early of... You know, I don't know is not an answer. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to hear I don't know. And so when I say, how are you doing? Fine's not an option. I'm good because I did well on a test today. So-and-so said hi to me in the hall. W- Explain to me why it's good. And then even help your kids navigate and go, you know what? A lot of what your happiness is is dependent on a, a, a circumstance. hmm Good things happen, so you're happy. Bad things happen, so you're sad. Okay, yeah, that's basic human behavior. But, you know, as, as, as a believer, as, as somebody that, that is a Christian, I should have a joy that goes deeper than just whether somebody said hi or not to me today. But for a 13-year-old in the right situation, that could mean everything. And you need to validate that. You need mm-hmm. to not just ignore uh, the fact that so-and-so said didn't say hi to them in the hallway. But kind of figure out what that means, you know. And here's the other thing: don't tell them. Avoid the pep talks. Avoid, um, and this is we're even kind of on a tangent here a little bit of just oh, you know, you lost your girlfriend. There's another girlfriend out there. Oh, you know, kind of validate fish in the
0: pond. Yeah,
1: that that really sucks, and I'm sorry that you're sad. And it's okay to be sad. Yeah, that's another thing. Give your kids permission to be sad. I think, I think we have this mentality of, and this is one of the reasons why I personally don't like social media, is teenage girls are, well, I should say, I don't like social media for teenage girls. They're so self-conscious anyway. And there's, Paul Simon has a song called Kodachrome, and it's, it, it, it refers to taking color pictures. Kodachrome uh, makes you think all the world's a sunny day. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we have this mentality of when the camera's on us, we're smiling and we're putting our best foot forward. And I think social media is very much that way. And we can cause girls to um, feel left out. We can, and so you gotta be involved. You gotta help them navigate. um, When their four best friends are doing something on a Friday night in their home, Mm -hmm. that sucks. And you know what? When I was growing up, I had no idea that was happening. I might find out about it Monday night, but I wasn't sitting home alone stewing in the fact that all my friends were out doing something and I wasn't with them. Mm-hmm. But now that happens. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, it's it's kind of funny. Um, it, I guess I had kind of one thing in mind when I was thinking about this topic, and I, it really comes back down to what you said at the beginning of just, you got to be consistent. you got to be a parent to your kid and be involved in their lives
3: and not just about rules
1: and guidelines and this is the line and don't cross it. And this is the curfew and you better be home by it's navigating. It's, it's, it's giving them the rules and then even helping them to navigate the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: definitely agree. Um, so I guess for a quick uh, pivot here, um, I guess I just want to say a few things towards parents now. hmm that, you know, are not in my situation with just an infant, but, you know, have, you know, uh, late elementary, well, not even just, I mean, kids are on the internet all the time now. Yeah. Oh, Um, yeah. So it's, my advice to you would be, if you don't know anything about technology, hopefully you have a friend who does, or a relative that can at least get you up to speed so you can have conversations with your kid. And when they say Snapchat, you know what they mean. When they say Instagram, you know what they mean. And you might even know what those apps are for. Uh, Or if someone asks, have you set up filters for, you know, your home network? You may not know how to set it up, but you need to know that you have the option to do so.
3: So, You
0: need to, if you genuinely care about having these conversations with your kids and trying to do your best to help them, as Dave said, navigate what's out there, but also trying to protect them from perhaps discovering certain things too early. um, You have options. You can set search filters and you can block off websites based on search terms and keywords you can um as a parent have your children's login and password for their social accounts
1: yeah and they should you you should have those
0: and the second you can't log in you know your <laughs> child has changed the password yeah. um, but i would also i would encourage us. i might even be telling you how to parent right now even though you might not think I can do that because I don't have a, an eight-year-old or whatever, but do not have that information without your child knowing you have it. Because the second they find out you've been sneaking behind their back and checking what they've been sending, you lose all respect yeah. and legitimacy and you're fighting an uphill battle that you, sh- you would not be fighting if you had sat them down yep and said, here's the deal. I understand why you want to be on Snapchat. I think Snapchat filters are hysterical. I would love if you would send me a a Snapchat selfie with a fun filter on it every day so at lunch, at work, I can have a good laugh. Mm -hmm. But here's the deal. If you want to be on Snapchat, and I want you to have fun with your friends, I'm also going to have your login just so I can make sure that you're being treated respectfully and that you're behaving in the way that you know you should be behaving. And that's the deal. Instead of you having their login and checking it secretly and then figuring out how do I come down on them without revealing (laughs) the fact that I've been sneaking on them this whole time, which just evaporates all trust. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, So please don't do that. And if you are doing it, come clean. (laughs) And yes, I would agree. So yeah, you can have logins, and should have logins to your kid's stuff. Again, just to keep them honest and to keep them safe, um, and then to have those ongoing conversations. And then when something does go sideways, which it will, is to have the conversation about why the deci- what the decision was, whether it was an inappropriate comment, inappropriate picture, just some some off-color language or joking or things that are trending in a direction where it could get sketchy quickly is to have the discussion about what the issue is, why the issue happened, what was the thought process behind it, and really, as Dave said, help your kid navigate it, that you are there to help them understand how this is all working. and, And instead of just busting the door down and saying, you did this and you knew it was wrong and, and not having a conversation about it. Like, you know, I love my parents and they did a really good job, I think, raising us. But that was my, that was <laughs> how I got grounded.
1: Boom. <laughs> Nothing for two weeks. Okay. I'll just be sneakier next time.
0: Exactly. I'll listen for when you're coming up the stairs and I'll have a safe channel on the instant return because I wasn't allowed to watch a WWF as a kid. <laughs> and I look back at what they were doing in the 90s and it was like brawn, panty matches and mud wrestling. <laughs> and, you know, like I'm not going to say I didn't like that. That wasn't the main reason I watched, but it was a nice perk. Oh, yeah. And so, but I was allowed to watch a WCW because they didn't do that. And so one was on uh, TNN, I think, and one was on TNT. And so I would have. WWF on, and then as soon as I heard my dad coming up the stairs, I would hit the change button over to WCW. Sneaky. I was like (laughs) 11? Yeah. 10? yeah. I mean, I wasn't stupid. I found the loophole to get what I wanted and to also make sure that he thought he was getting what he wanted. Like, that's devious.
1: (laughs) And I was like 10. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? So one last thought that I had is, um, our culture does not help kids transition into an adult. And (laughs) not at all. uh, You know, if you're Jewish and you get bar mitzvah, that's about as good as it gets in America today. Is having a bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, depending boy girl. And so, personally, I think technology is one of those things that we can um, use as rites of passages for kids. And so, it you know, you know your kids better, and what's an appropriate age for them. And you know, um, I am I am a big uh, proponent of give your kid a cell phone as soon as you can. Now, it may be simply a cell phone. It's got numbers on it, and they can call you. I I can't really say it's too young for a kid to have a cell phone, stick it in their backpack, stick it in the lunchbox, wherever it is, because that allows them to reach you. And if something happens to them, it allows them to be tracked. Smartphones are a totally different story. And so maybe you say you want a smartphone, you'll get a smartphone when you're 13 and they have something to look forward to, to kind of go, okay, when I get 13, I will have a smartphone. And even in that be consistent uh, across the, the kids if oldest gets one at 13, don't give the next one at 12 and the next one at 11. Keep I've it consistent. I've got stories
0: for you, Dave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um, you know, and uh, for ours, uh, I, I you know, I would give my girls a purity ring when they were 15 and talk about sex and that their heart belongs to me as their dad until I walk them down the aisle and give their heart to their husband. So it doesn't have to be, these rites of passages don't have to be all technology. Um. But I do think those can be helpful mile markers for a kid to go, okay, I've crossed over into this next stage because my parents have allowed me to do X. And obviously, there's some pretty natural ones of, um, you know, you can drink at 21, you can drive at 16. Uh, As parents, I think it's helpful to, to put additional ones in there. I know a dad that would take trips with his kids when they were, you know, 10, 15, whatever. You know your kids best but those kind of rites of passages that um, this is what you get at this birthday uh, to signify another year of maturity and becoming closer to an adult. And um, obviously getting to drive is a big one. I think a purity ring can be a good one, both boys and girls. Getting a smartphone can be those, you know, so.
3: Cool. Yeah.
0: Now, that was different than I thought it was going to be. It always is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, if you have any um, stories that you want to share,
1: I would love to hear some stories. Yeah, yeah.
0: About either what you have done, what your parents did for you, whether good or bad, how you learned from that, uh, maybe how you learned from the first child to the second child to navigate this stuff. Like, we, the reason we started this show was to provide a platform for people that are listening to share their stories and help each other out. Like Dave and I we have opinions and we have reasons but <laughs> we're not we, always right. <laughs> we're not always right and we don't know everything and nope. there are there are always going to be people that have navigated something more uh different, uh difficult um uh, in unique ways that could potentially help other people that are listening to this show. Um, and so if you have, uh, some ideas or, uh, things that you do or, or, um, tips, um, that would be helpful to, uh, other dads that are listening to the show, please do write in, um, again, uh, hello at supermegacorp.net is the email, um, or you can uh, get us on Twitter again, David J. Ho, Cam Brennan links are in the show notes. Um. Because we really, you know, we want to help. Well, we want to learn from you selfishly. Yes. But we want to help facilitate you helping other people learn. Um, So we look forward to to hearing from you. And we thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank you. You know, we always talk longer than I think we intend to. (laughs) We just can't help it. Just full of it. Yes. uh, Thank you for listening, and we'll be back. At some point. Hopefully
3: sooner than later. Yes. Bye. Bye.